Star Wars 7x7, episode 1,452. Today, Scoundrel Business, we're looking at the box office performance of Solo in its fifth weekend of release. Punch it, Chewie. Hello, everybody. I'm Greg Proops. You may know me as Fode from The Phantom Menace. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. I love you, Alan. Hey, Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7. So, it's been five weekends now in the books with Solo, a Star Wars story in theaters, and it is still losing theaters, but it isn't out of theaters yet. Of course, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom had to come out and take over some theaters and did very well, generally speaking. I guess it was in the high end of what the predictions were for it, $150 million for the weekend, which actually means that it did $50 million less than its predecessor, the original Jurassic World. So, yeah, 25%. Uh, percent lower opening weekend compared to the first one well gee i wonder where we've seen that happen before but that's more you know force awakens last jedi kind of talk it's not exactly solo talk which is what we're really here to do so in its fifth weekend solo made a little more than four million dollars at the domestic box office which means that ta-da it's cracked 200 million domestically and it's also cracked 150 million in the worldwide sector as in not including the north american sector so we are at 350 million in total and something happened this week that hadn't happened yet, which is a little bit of a bummer, but hey, what are you going to do? So Solo dropped to sixth place in the top 10, and this is the first weekend that Deadpool actually beat Solo at the box office. Solo was in sixth place, Deadpool fifth, and then it was Tag, Ocean's 8, uh, Incredibles 2, and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in the top spot. So the number that we're looking for next is 209 million. And the reason why that number, it's because that's the number of the original release of The Empire Strikes Back, not adjusted for inflation or anything like that. You know, that just gets confusing <laughs> for all intents and purposes. But anyway, if it can pass by that, then it will not be the lowest grossing Star Wars movie of all time. So we'll have to see how that plays out. It looks like we've got until September to make $9 million, so I think that's going to be an easy enough push. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it is going to get into the black. It seems like it is just going to be a you know money-losing movie, unfortunately. But hey, considering that the three movies previous were all huge moneymakers for Lucasfilm, I don't think anybody's really shedding much in the way of tears as far as that goes. I mean, I am a little bit because I liked the movie. It was good. I wanted to see it do better. It's too bad. But, you know, what are you going to do? So, you know, interestingly enough, now that we have news of Disney moving forward with the purchase of Fox and all their movies, some of the things that have been under consideration as far as uh, Star Wars movie releases is the fact that Disney is kind of competing with itself now on a large scale. And not directly in the sense that, yeah, maybe the same audience for, say, Mary Poppins Returns is not the same audience as the audience for Solo, A Star Wars Story. But the point of it is, is that Disney only has, you know, so many weekends in a year and between their own movies and the Pixar movies and the Star Wars movies and the uh, Marvel movies and then, you know, hey, we're going to have Indiana Jones <laughs> 
movies at some point too. I mean, there's only so many weekends in a year and there's only so much of a promotional push that they can put behind all of their movies, especially when they have other movies to be marketing. I mean, they had Infinity War and it was a month later that Solo came out and then two weeks later, The Incredibles 2 came out. So, you know, they have reason to be concerned that essentially they're competing for the same audience in some cases. And so they can't hammer the the marketing as hard as they would. The thing that I don't necessarily have the greatest handle on yet, and I'd be really curious to hear um, some insight from uh, movie industry veterans or anything like this, is with Lucasfilm operating as a company underneath the giant Disney umbrella, how much does Lucasfilm really call the shots as far as their own marketing dollars, their own budget, any of this stuff? I mean, do they get to act utterly and completely independently and can they throw as much money at Solo as they want or are they having to ask Disney for, you know, the chance to go into the purse and loosen up the strings and throw some more money at things? I imagine Solo with the loss of Lord and Miller was a bit of a special circumstance and bringing Ron Howard in to do the reshoots and all that. But really, I'd be very curious to know. And it looks like, I mean, next year we're going to get that December slot back. It's being held by Mary Poppins for this year, but Star Wars is going to get to be back in the December slot. And man, when we were talking about The Last Jedi and Rogue One before it and The Force Awakens before that, we weren't really talking about other movies that were coming out and and doing, you know, doing damage in their own way to the box office fortunes of those three previous Star Wars movies. I guess Jumanji and The Greatest Showman actually put a dent in The Last Jedi. But yeah, it's a it's definitely a different and unusual situation, comparatively speaking, for Solo, a Star Wars story. And it wasn't helped by, you know, being in Memorial Day and by having all the other movies coming out right before it, whether it was Infinity War or Deadpool 2 or The Incredibles 2 coming out after it. And now Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom hitting theaters. Yeah, it's been a, a very strange trip for Solo, a Star Wars story, unfortunately. And that is going to do it for our scoundrel business look at the performance of Solo, a Star Wars story after its fifth weekend at the box office. And hey, if you're still checking it out or planning on checking it out, drop me a comment. Let me know. I'm just curious to see if, despite the fact that there are so many other bits of eye candy to check out in theaters, if you are still making time to see Solo, let me know. I'm just curious. And I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, Last Jedi Trivia, plus a note from the Corrections Department about yesterday's episode. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. No sponsor on this episode today, so I just have a favor to ask instead. If you haven't done so already, please consider leaving a review for Star Wars 7x7 on your favorite podcast app. Not just a star rating, although I will say we are personally very proud of our near-unanimous five-star rating on iTunes. No, I just mean a thoughtful sentence or two about what you like about the podcast, or how happy you are that it's part of your daily routine. And more reviews means better visibility, which means more people get to share in a daily dose of Star Wars joy, and you want that, don't you? Of course you do. So please leave a review on your favorite podcast app today. I thank you, and the Star Wars 7x7 podcast thanks you. Welcome back. 
So on yesterday's episode, I gave the answer to a question from the previous episode. The question had to do with how many planets there were in The Last Jedi. How many did we visit in The Last Jedi? And I gave the answer of three, and it seems we had a bit of a Monty Python problem here. It's one, two, five, sir, five. The answer is actually five. I had it flagged for me by Jeff Wixon on YouTube that it's actually four, but the actual answer turns out it's five, and I guess depending on how you want to play with the rules as I had stated them previously you could kind of let that fifth one slide but the answer to today's trivia question which was name the planets the answer would be Dakar for the resistance base Octo for where Luke and Ray are hanging out that was the one that I had forgotten by the way and then there's also Crate and Cantonica if you said Cantobite sorry can't accept that one that's just the city Cantonica is the planet and the fifth one would be the unnamed planet planet where Luke had his Jedi training ground set up where we saw the flashbacks with Luke and Ben and how their confrontation went down. And here's today's question for you. How many prequel trilogy characters, as in how many characters who appeared in the prequel trilogy, also appear in The Last Jedi? And that will do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go blasting your way out of Moss Eisley, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you want to join the inner circle of fans, become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash SW7X7. It's not an Imperial spy, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.